Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode of In Lockdown with, with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Today my guest is actor Francois Pandolfo. Hi Fran, how's it going? Hi Kieran, I'm good, how are you? Yeah, really good, thanks for doing this. Um, welcome. So, first question I normally ask people is, how was your lockdown? Like, we're kind of out of it now. What was that experience like? Gosh, it's mad, isn't it? Like after all this time, now reflected in hindsight, like what what that was like. I mean, for me, having having it like you know settle a bit now and get back into the, back into the swing of things. Yeah. Looking back on it, I, I'm one of those like I feel really guilty saying this, but like I actually weirdly miss it. Right. Like and I and I, I miss the the simplicity of it all. I mean, obviously, I don't miss the fact that thousands of people died um, and it was horrible. Um, but I miss the kind of, like, having to... I don't know, like, ever since drama school, I've been in this rat race. Yeah. And it's never ended. <laughs> it's just like, I'm the next project, I'm the next project. And now I need to think about, do I sign on the dole or do I get a little job for a while? How long will I be able to keep that job? Yeah. Because then I'll, I might get a theatre job and then I'll have to, you know, not do that anymore. And, and it was just nice to to just be in the garden mm. and just focus on the really small things. Um, and we spent loads of time, we got a little allotment on oh, uh, Chester Avenue and we just spent days and days down there and it just felt like nothing else mattered for a bit mm. and we had to just go back to basics. And I kind of, it's quite scary that we've, We've just kind of reverted back to how it was. I I, th- I don't feel like we've learned anything as an industry from COVID. It, in no. terms of people said there was going to be, you know, we're doing this on Zoom today. We were going to do it in person, but now we're doing it on Zoom. So often I feel within the industry that there isn't that option. Um, no. And no. Do- and, and, and I think it's like sometimes teach at Welsh College. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm doing it at the moment. I'm doing the impro project, and actually, I feel like it's it has it's changed people as well, um, and not necessarily for the good. You know, I think people have, um, have forgotten how to how to be in a, in a room with somebody. Mm. To, I mean, there's me and you like <laughs> over Zoom now, um, but you know, it it has changed how we interact with each other, mm. um, and I, th- I feel like we have to relearn. But hopefully we can relearn in a better way um, and properly listen to each other. I think everyone's always had such a strong, especially in this industry, self-agenda. Yes. 
but actually I hope we come out of this with more of a sense of care for others. That's what I hope. I hope. Well, I, I think there's a danger of reverting back to happening of everyone's out themselves and being so competitive. If yeah. some people just don't get those opportunities, so hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's yeah, let's let's hope. In Italian, we say speriamo. So, Fran, um, how did you first get interested in theatre? Um, oh, God. Um, <laughs> I feel like we're jumping straight in the deep end here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, when I was kind of like 10, 11, 12, um, I had quite a... Um, not troubled upbringing, but it, I ha- there were issues at home, right. and uh, my mum was manically depressed, and I was a bit older than I was like ten years older than my brother and sister. Okay. So it, it, it fell on me to look after them, um, which meant that I kind of I didn't I didn't at that age didn't really know not that you should, but I had no sense of self um, mm. because the priority was like making sure that the house was tidy and making sure my brother and sister were fed and going to school and looking after them because my mum, you know, not her yeah. fault, but she was, like, in bed most of the time because she was so depressed. Mm. And I went to a Catholic school and there wasn't much emphasis on drama. I'm not saying Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> Catholics don't like drama. I mean, they love nativity plays. But um, they didn't have a drama club at school. So I went in search on my own and found this amazing place, which maybe you've heard of, called Lanover Hall. Yes, yeah. In Canton. And I actually I actually went to, um, to go to a pottery class. Right. And I, over, I overheard, I was walking down the corridor and there were these people singing, um, warming up. And I was like, what is, what is this? Who are these people? Who are these like creatures <laughs> enjoying life so much? And then, um, yeah, kind of wandered in and spoke to uh, Julie Barclay okay. and Caroline Bunce, surprisingly enough, um, who I'm still friends with now. Uh, and they, uh, yeah, they said, come next Tuesday if you're interested. And I kind of felt like I'd found my my people. Um, it, it really did. I was only like 11, 12, and right. it changed my life. I suddenly I... went, oh, there's people like me. Because mm. at, at school, I was, I, was, I was bullied. I think I projected that. Yeah. And happiness at home into school, which meant that um, I then fell victim to you know a bit of bullying. Mm. And I had funny fingers and uh, and was a bit camp. So mm. you know I was I was prime for the picking. And um, did you I... did you feel like you could be yourself in the environment of the drama club? Yeah, I suddenly walked in and was just like, oh, it instantly felt like, oh, this is my. This is my community, and and I yeah. can I can I can I feel safe here, and they're like-minded, and I can express myself in ways that I, I never had before. Yeah. Um. And I started getting a sense, a really small injection of like senses, you know, awareness of who I could be and who I wanted mm. to be. Um. And it, yeah, it kind of it it started the ball rolling. Um. Because then from there. I went to college and definitely took, you know, drama in college. Yeah. Um, 
and then the next step was drama school and then you know when when did you kind of think i can do this i can get a career out of this this is what Um, i want to do I'm 40 now and I'm still wondering that same question. <laughs> I'm like, when, when, when can I make a career out of this? Um, I guess, you know, you, you, you're in that, like you said before, you're in that rat race. As soon as you finish drama school, everything directs you towards getting jobs and getting yes. work. So. I mean, honestly, I'm not lying when I say I, I still don't, I don't, I, I still find it hard to call myself like an actor because right. I guess you're only an actor when you're working. Um, so if you said that two weeks ago when I was doing, um, right when we left us, I'd say, yeah, I mean, I'm doing yeah. it now, but, but I think, and, that, and actually that makes it exciting. I think that makes mm. it really exciting. You know, everyone else in other professions, they go to their job every day and so they yeah. call themselves a lawyer or a carpenter or an electrician because they're doing it every day. But if you're not doing it all the time and you're working six months a year, then surely you're just that thing when you're doing it, you know. That's really good. I hadn't really thought about that. It's a bit cynical, um, I know, but... <laughs> but no, it makes sense, though. Um... So you went to East 15? Yes. Um, leaving Wales, going to London. I guess that was a big thing for you. Yeah, I mean, it was, it wasn't. Like, linking to what I said about my home life, not to make it really depressing, because um, it wasn't. There were some light moments right. as well and had a lot of fun. But um, I was really keen to, to, to leave yeah. Cardiff. And actually, because I went to London um, a year before drama school, applied for drama schools, didn't get in for the first right. time, got, got recalled, but didn't get through. And then just thought, oh, do you know what? I want to go to London anyway, so why don't I? They kept saying, yeah. like, go and get some life experience. Yeah. So I went to London and worked at Warner Brothers, <laughs> the shop, <laughs> um, dressed as... Um, it was, do you know, well, Katie Owen, do you know Katie Owen? I know Katie, yeah, love Katie. So, uh, me and her went to London together, uh, took a year out, and we were dressed as Tom and Jerry oh, on, on Regent Street. <laughs> and, um, I mean, we were at the tills as well and have to replenish Plush Mountain. Um, <laughs> but um, our main job, because we were actors, apparently, yeah. Um, was yeah getting on those massive Tom and Jerry heads and costumes and going out and greeting people as they walked in. And it was the first time that I was ever happy slapped. Oh, no way. Remember the days of happy Yeah, slapping? God, that's a blast of <laughs> that. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't laugh, but, um, yeah, it was when, when phones first started being, you used to just yeah. like being able to video. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously we were, we were just in prime position. So, uh, yeah, we, we'd have these kids videoing and, Hitting us. I mean, good job we Goodness. had, you know, yeah. protection. Protection. They found it hilarious. And then you get to drama school. Yeah. What 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 was that experience like? Yeah, do you know what? It's a funny one with drama schools because I'm not sure what other people think, but a lot of the stuff slots into place now. Mm. Um, and at the time, I probably didn't appreciate how valuable it was working with all these outside directors 
um, learning so much about, I mean, I'm not sure if you know, but Yusuf Dean um, is very into its like method. Right. Um, and it, it, it takes uh, the structure of Joe Nicklewood's workshop project. Okay. Um, which is about living in character and, um, you know, Stanislavski's theory. Um, and uh, yeah, I probably, it was only later on, really, five, ten years later, and even now, I'll do jobs and I'll go, oh, that's what they meant. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Yeah. And I just probably didn't have, I was just nodding my head at the time mm. um, and probably pretending that I understood, <laughs> but I didn't. I mean, I was only like 19. Yeah. Um, but now, yeah, I feel like that's the, the gift that drama school um, keeps giving, which is it kind of drip feeds you throughout your career. And sometimes it, 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 won't, it won't click in your head until you're in that very specific situation and go, oh, that's what he meant when he was saying, yeah. you know, be in the moment or, yeah, yeah. But, it, but I tell you what does stick in my head about my time at East of Ding was we had this... Um, they're quite. I'm not sure if they do it anymore, but they were quite famous for doing um, uh, the the living in living in. Oh, what's it called? Um, Me- methods. Uh, no. Yeah. It, um, it was the maybe they called it just the project, but it was in the second year. You would uh, live in character right. for two weeks. Oh my goodness! And they would all be themes. So the year before us did um, uh, gypsies. Right. Um, and then the year after us did the potato famine, and we did. They were all very bleak. Um, and we did um, the Second World War. Okay. And I played. Um, I played a Japanese soldier. I mean, you wouldn't get away with it now, but it was at the time. Um, and we were split in half, so half of us played Japanese soldiers, and half played prisoner uh, British prisoner of war. Um, and so they set up like camp, and yeah, we basically just lived in character for two weeks. You could stay over if you wanted. Um, Christ. Yeah, and then at the end of the project, we had to go deep, you know, yeah, backstories. Yeah. And before we even started the project, there was like extensive research. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah, and, and 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 creating your own individual character. So by the time you got there, you know, you were really immersed in it. But then near the end of the project, I just vaguely remember we would be in like a group setting. Maybe we were making the prisoner of war um, uh, people um, like building. They were building like I think we built a railway at one point. Right. They were digging, um, and we would just have the teachers whispering in our ear, um, "You are now dying of dysentery." And then someone would go off and they'd go, "Um, they've been murdered in the bushes. And so slowly, like, everyone was just dying off until there was just like, (laughs) the soldiers left and we got like dismissed. I mean, bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. But it's like launched in my head. (laughs) Wow, that is quite the story. (laughs) Um, So, like, after you 15, graduating. Like, how did it prepare you for the industry and what were the challenges of trying to break into the industry after you graduated? Um, yeah, it's hard because I stayed in London for a few years after right. and I found it really, really difficult. Um, 
I got my first job actually before we left uh, drama school. Yeah. Um, in something called Bad Girls, not <laughs> not the musical. Um, it was a uh, Jacqueline Wilson children's right. book, but it was like a number one tour. So like yeah. in terms of like getting au fait with all the big theatres in the UK, it taught me so much because I'd never I'd never worked like that before. I'd never toured around the UK. So. Um, did you yeah. enjoy that experience of touring? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, and it felt like, I felt really lucky that, I mean, I missed my graduation for right. that job, but I did feel like I gained, I gained a lot, mm. actually, it, it, as a substitute, because, um, you know, I'd never, I, I didn't even know what the, the Belfast Opera House was. I didn't right. know what Buxton Opera House looked like. I didn't know, and all of a sudden I had these, like, references to really big theatres about the UK which has stayed with me you know up until now so I feel really lucky that I got to experience that um, and I met my partner as well oh, on that great. job and I'm still with the same partner <laughs> 18 years later um, so yeah it was a real gift but I think um, after that job I really struggled in London um, uh. and I think um, it was only when I moved back to Cardiff actually the things you know, not in an ideal way, but things started happening, and it was that whole: mm. Do I be? In, am I in London, surrounded by thousands and thousands of actors, all competing for the same jobs? Yeah. Or do I come back to Cardiff and try out being a you know a little little fish in a no a, a, a big fish in a small mm-hmm. pond, um, rather than like a tiny fish in a humongous pond? Um, so, yeah. Was there any feeling of of Having failed, not having to come back to Cardiff. Yeah. Oh my God, that's a, yeah, that is exactly what it felt like. Yeah, it was. It was so that I really, I, I ruminated over coming back for so long because it did feel like I was taking a step back. Right. It felt like oh, I've taken a step forward going to London because that's where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Apparently, and then I was taking five steps back by coming back to Cardiff. But it just shows that. You know, actually, you can't preempt. It's it's not about where you live at all. I, I um, don't think so. And and things were. I think I moved back when things just started shifting mm. in Cardiff. Actually, in the same way that it has in Manchester, I don't think necessarily London is the place you need to be at. I um, think I think there are some really exciting things happening in regional theatre yeah, across the UK, yeah. and hopefully, the industry is going to become less London. Entry. Yeah, but, and and with like Pinewood and you know, yes. way more like TV productions happening in Cardiff. And the problem is, you know, they're they're using our land, aren't they? But not necessarily the talent. That's true. That's true. That's what's got to change. Yeah. You know, it's it's using like Sharon Morgan made a good point about this: using Welsh actors, using Welsh writers, and not just the locations. Exactly, so exactly. And, and I feel like maybe that needs to be really disciplined and actually yes. there, needs, there needs to be a, pretend, a, a percentage overall of, of, you know, that you are ticking that box in mm. terms of using local talent, not just crew, but like actors. I, have, I mean, quarters has become a dirty word, but, you know, if you're making TV in Wales, surely yeah. you should be working with Welsh talent. Like... Sex Education, for example, I think it's a great series. I used to think it's really well written, 
both filmed in Cardiff and you can barely hear a Welsh accent. Yeah, yeah. It's so generic that you wouldn't know where it was set or where it was from. So I just think there needs to be... I agree with you, absolutely. Yeah, positive quotas. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you talk a bit about your process? Um, Does it change depending on what you're working on? Um... Yes, that's a good question. I think, I think for me, I do use that kind of that that East Fifteen methodology, um, and I, I try to do as much kind of backstory and uh, magic ifs and given circumstances mm-hmm. and what what you know what other from the script you know what other characters say about you, what you say about them, mm-hmm. and then forming you know, forming a, a, a rounded um, person and then adding yourself onto it and bringing your imagination. But I tend to do that for telly. Right. Because you don't have that time in the room. Mm. You kind of, you know, time is precious and you, you don't get given space to be able to do that. You just yeah. got to bring it. So I tend to do a lot of that homework before I go on set. Whereas I think in theatre, I don't do it as much because you get the luxury of, you know, four or five weeks and you get to explore that in the room, but you also get to, um, in a way, sometimes it's more beneficial because you get to intertwine what you're doing in theatre and your character work with the other characters Mm. in the situation. Whereas you don't get that opportunity in TV, I suppose, because the turnaround and shooting schedules are so tight you don't have that type exactly and you might have made some major decisions at home um and then turn up and you know on on set and somebody's made like contradictory decisions which i guess you just have to make those little adjustments in your head and go okay you've chosen to do it that way so i just have to slightly dance around that and and, Mm. you know make minuscule adjustments but with theater you can make those decisions together so it just yeah, yeah, it makes it slightly easier, and and it's more experimental, and it's more playful, and you can keep changing those decisions. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of um, actioning. Yeah, um, yeah. And so you can you can have fun with that in the room with the other performers, and yeah, it's just not. I'm not saying I prefer <laughs> theatre, but I think you can you can just uh, you can play a lot more. Yes. When you when you've got that time. Does it depend as well on the director? How important is that relationship with the director for you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes you work with people that aren't so interested in that. They they just want you to, to bring it. Right. And so they're very much into, I think, <laughs> I don't want to like... piss <laughs> <laughs> on my chips here. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> sometimes... It's, it's harder to have the like the, the, the space and time to be able to explore and play because a director's more interested in I mean understandably they've had this in their heads for like six months yes. and they've got this really clear vision and they just want to get into a room and they want to block it and they want to like set everything out that they've already pre-planned so there isn't as much room for play mm. but then other times when you work with um Kind of actor directors, I think, um, 
who understand where actors come from and want you to own what you come up with, um, they they do give you that 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 space, and they're not so fearful of it yeah. of it of, of their vision shifting and, and no, growing and developing. Um, so I guess yeah, you're, you're spot. Yeah, I think it's it really does depend on who who you've got with you. Mm. But then you can equally just. I remember doing a job. I won't name names, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I did a job uh, in 2018, um, not in Wales actually. And it, yeah, he very the director very much wasn't interested right. in subtext or characterization. They just wanted you to turn up and, and just just you know say your lines uh, and then go okay. into the furniture. <laughs> that is, and, and, I, and so we just did that work at home. You know, we we kind of mm. left in secret. Um, the other, all the actors and, and just did all that stuff on our own so it just made it a bit harder yeah I, I can get that you I can still get that yeah um, so in terms of making your own work you formed Difficult Stage in 2013 with Ben Tyerman and Casey Owen how did you decide to form your own theatre company um, it was a mixture of a few things actually um we, me, Ben, and Katie have a very particular <laughs> sense of humour, which is quite yeah. uh, quite dark um, and twisted, um, but born from pain and grief mm. and things that we've you know we've had to battle with in life, but wanting to make comedy out of it because. Um, you know, it's that, 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 you know, if you can't laugh, you cry. Yeah. So we chose laughing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, with the same, coming from the same theme. Uh, so, yeah, we, we kind of, we saw that there was a gap in Wales of kind of dark, we weren't seeing like dark, twisted, semi-improvised comedies right. anywhere in Cardiff. I'm sure there was years and years ago. But just not at the moment, you know. From I think we formed we formed in two thousand thirteen. So we just saw a lack of that. We were like, come on, let's do something about it. Let's 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 create our own work and stop moaning and criticizing what we're not seeing and and and, and mm. try and create it. And also, you know, there's things that we love like Nighty Night on television. Yeah. You know, it was a huge inspiration and Mighty Boosh and um, uh, League of Gentlemen. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't seeing that in Wales translated on stage. Mm. You know, there was loads of it on telly, but I, I wanted to see a theatre version of that kind yeah. of dark and 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 um uh absurdist theatre. Um, and, and what was the fringe theatre scene like in Cardiff at that point? Was the other room up and running? No, and that that was that, that was the other thing was similar time so we we formed the company and then our first piece was the world of work right. um written starring katie me ben um and uh, lisa palfrey and it was based on katie's her relationship with her mum who sadly passed away when she was at drama school right. um and uh and kate vazenberg came to see that when it was a right. chapter and then she wanted to make us resident company at the other room mm. so, f so it was great it kind of all you know it was like a domino effect so it meant that we not only were we forming our own company but Kate then gave us an opportunity to keep creating work mm. and have a home 
so um, that's when we yeah we kind of started with Alex and Vundergarten and and uh, looking through glass and it was just great to to have that support from somebody mm. as driven as, as Kate um, to be part of like a bigger picture so yeah it, it was a, it was a real um, driving force uh, you talk about um, Alex and Vundergarten um, the looking glass uh, looking through glass sorry um, so they were devised pieces. What was the yes. what was the process like, and how did you work together on those? Yeah, what was the process like in creating that work? So I think I work quite differently to Katie. So Katie's first project, The World of Work, she very much like she wrote the script and we followed the script. Okay, and she's 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 way more into. Um, she she's got such a deep understanding of how comedy works. Um, whereas I think I'm a bit more um, scatty than she is. So, because um, I wrote Alex in the Garden and Looking Through Glass, well, I say I wrote them. I, I basically, my my method was putting together a kind of structure and like sicking it all out. Right. Um, and then getting into a room with great actors um, and great improvisers and allowing them to take what they see on the page to a different level yeah and then do like extensive again extensive like backstories create their character then come back to the script and make those words their own so it was like i i was the platform for them then to take it yeah. somewhere completely different and i guess then i was i was harvesting their material I was taken from them, but also like again, you know, it gave them complete ownership of the work, yeah. um, and made my words better because nobody can do it better than you know a great actor putting Absolutely. those words in their mouth because they're going to sound natural and realistic. I suppose then everyone feels an ownership over the work created, yeah. and it's not. I've written a play, let's put it on, and there's more of a collaborative ethos. There, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And how, how, how would you describe it stylistically? Dark comedy, but stylistically... Um, what do you mean by stylistically? Like, was it like... Uh, it's so hard to like describe these things, isn't it? Yeah, but, yeah it is. I, I, would you... I mean, I'm guessing it wasn't naturalistic, whatever the hell naturalistic means. Oh, I see what you but... mean, yeah. Well, I guess it, I guess it weirdly was, actually, because it was, it was about a group of actors um, in a recording studio putting on uh, Alice in Wonderland. Um, yeah. And it's about, the, you know, these five actors coming together and the whole thing, and, and a very... Um, <laughs> inept uh, theatre, radio producer right. trying to hold it all together but failing miserably and then like, like Alice going down the rabbit hole it all just goes to mm. a strange weird warped world where everything falls apart um, that we know of to be you know um, structure yeah. in life um, so I guess in some ways until it gets until it got really warped um, 
it, it was it, you mm. know, I wanted it to be naturalistic and I wanted to believe the audience to believe that these five actors were coming together to just you know record a radio show and then you see that change within the piece and it feels warranted or like it feels, yeah, yeah 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 and and yeah and and yeah walked abstract yeah. um I can't say the f word but you know after yeah. Um, <laughs> and and I and I and more than anything, I think it it, it tended to push bound. I'm I'm always fascinated by like what is funny and why. Mm. And I think working with Anne Howard, she she equally likes she equally asks those questions. Um, she wants to like challenge audiences and and come and bring them together in experimenting with what they find funny and what they don't because mm. um, it's all subjective isn't it it's it all is. like one person's going to like mrs brown's boys and you know slapstick comedy and another person's going to like something a bit more um you know darker and uh and, and you'll know this you'll get a different reaction from an audience on monday night than you do from the audience on tuesday night and that's not a reflection on the work necessarily but on the audience and who happens to be in on that particular night. yeah and, and how an audience's mood can can change a whole show yeah <laughs> it's I've, I've just come back from edinburgh and um i can't yeah. tell you how different some of these nights were like it was it was crazy like what one, one night i would have six people in right and they were raucous and loving it and I went, and as I would go in, I'd go, oh, this is going to be a bit flat, actually, because I, I'm relying on the audiences. But they were the best audiences. And then some nights it'd be a full house, and they just weren't, from the word go, just weren't on board with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd have somebody being sick in a cup one night. I had somebody have a heart attack. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then other nights they'd be up on their feet, like, screaming mm. and shouting and loving it and up for it. Um, so, so let's talk about that now then the piece you're the piece you're talking about is an audience with Millie Lou yeah, uh, co-produced yeah. with the showman and directed by Dan Jones uh, so where did it come from like what is the genesis of this piece so actually weirdly this this was like this first came about years and years ago at the other room, they were doing like a comedy scratch night. Right. Run by, I can't remember, is Dan, Dan something. Dan Another Porter? Dan. I mean, that building's just full of Dans. Dan Porter? No, it was the um, the big comedy guy. He is. Yeah, I know who you mean, but I can't think of him. Yeah, and he did some like, yeah. sketches on telly as well, didn't he? Um, he was putting together these kind of scratch nights, and I wrote a little short about a cat. <laughs> oh, because they were animal themes, that's why. Right. Animal, you had to write something about an animal, because I was in one that Phenos Mai wrote, and I was a dog. Okay. And so they had to be animal themes. So I thought, oh, I know, I've got a cat called Muling, and she's a bit of a bitch. And um, if she was a human, she would definitely have been like a somebody. You know, she would have been okay. like a yeah. or, you know, um, uh, from the silver screen. So. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine that she was this has been and has lost everything and is now on the streets of Cardiff addicted to catnip um, <laughs> and looking for the next, you know, drink. Um, 
and then she like takes the spotlight because somebody hasn't turned up. So I wrote this really short thing that Katie did, Katie Owen, right. um, at this scratch night, and then it was done and dusted. And then it kind of came up again, and Dan, Dan Jones was like, do you want to be part of this Christmas selection box comedy night mm. that we're doing at the other room? So she like, she came back on the scene, but I played her this time. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing. And Dan was like, look, there's a show in here. Do you want to like bring her back and do a full length yeah. one? We'll do an R&D. And so I did that one Christmas. And then Edinburgh came about. And it was like, this, I don't know, she just, Minnie Lou was just, she was just a gift that keeps <laughs> giving. Um, but then it kind of started mutating into something more. Like I wanted to give her, I wanted the silliness of her being a cat to have a deeper message. Right. And so I kind of used my own experiences of kind of sexual exploitation in the industry. Right. And abuses of power. And put, and put those themes onto her so that it was both, I mean, this is going quite deep now, but it was both, you know, therapeutic for me, mm. but also having a say and telling a story that was seeped in truth behind the, behind the grotesqueness yes. and silliness of a man dressed up as a cat. I imagine that was quite difficult to write and quite a journey for you as a writer. Yeah, it was, it was difficult, but actually, weirdly, you can, it's quite empowering, I, I learned for the first time, which was to be able to take something that was uh, quite traumatic mm. um, and had an effect on my life and then um, transform it into laughter Yeah. and transform it into dark comedy mm. um, where people are actually laughing. And so you, I feel like you're, you're turning something negative into positive reaction yeah because laughter is a beautiful thing so I, I feel like i've kind of it's come full circle actually and, yeah, that, and that's an achievement and how did you find the difference between watching katie do it and then actually doing it with her oh. i mean i can't compete with katie she's a she's a star um they but, were very different i think i think probably Yes, we. I mean, yeah, that goes down the topic of it being a man and a woman as well. Like, mm. um, I think it probably made more sense it being Katie. Oh, yeah. I think Katie, Katie brought um, something quite dangerous to it. Um, I mean, it was so long ago. Uh, <laughs> but weirdly, she was always the one that said to me, you need to do this. This is right. yours. And it was always something I wanted to expect. I, I, I don't feel like drag is not something that I've... Um, I'm necessarily interested in. Okay. It's never been, you know, as a, as a gay man, it's never yeah. been something like, oh, I want to do drag. But actually, I have been intrigued by it. So it was kind of like my little subtle way of going, oh, I can give it a little go. Mm. But it's not, it's not really drag. It's, it's but a in, a, in a way that felt safe. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the main difference between me and Katie. Is actually, Katie is very willing to expose herself mm. in a really truthful way uh, no frills um, whereas I think I have to and you can see it in our in our in our writings really um, through difficult stages whereas I kind of like to hide behind I want to say the same thing and I want to be just as truthful 
yeah. that I need to hide behind. Like there needs to be distance. <laughs> mm. <Yeah, laughs> Otherwise, okay. I can't. Yeah, I might cramp. I feel like I might cramp mm. more. I think it's a thing of protecting yourself. One yeah. one step away from personal experience feels a lot safer than just putting yourself out there and exploring. It's scary, right? Yeah, really scary. And I guess it's the difference between the actors that are, you know, you don't a lot of actors you don't see transform really in roles, and they're because they're willing to show you their own soul. Yeah. Um, and then the, and then the difference between actors who are very much into character and need that mm. kind of that barrier, um, and it's ju- it's just as truthful, it's just as authentic, yeah. but it's just behind the character. So um, yeah, I just say it depends where you you lie on the spectrum, I guess, what you're what you get a kick out of as a performer. Mm. So for TV, you um, people may know you as Roberto from The Tuckers, which uh, written by um, Steve Spears. Comedy on TV, what was that experience like and how different is it than theatre where you're getting that reaction immediately? Is it difficult yeah, to make that I, transition? Yes. I mean, maybe not difficult, but I, um, I find it interesting. I find yeah. it really interesting how when you're working in telly, especially sitcoms and comedies, I've just done... Um, uh, big boys as well which was on channel four um and yeah it's just i think whereas whereas with theater you can kind of again experiment with the humor and where it lies and you can play around with that night to night yeah um if you haven't got a super strict director but with with tv there's more of a loyalty to the, to the writer and things have been right. carefully placed for a reason and unless you get somebody, unless you get a director that goes, you know what, muck around with it, let's mm. you know, improvise, which they kind of did on Big Boys, actually. The, the director was very much like, you know, find it. Let's, you know, just okay. save the lines of the script, but also throw them out as well and, and put your own words in. And that was lovely. It gives, gives you real freedom. Um, and if it doesn't work, it's fine. You can go back to the script, but they have those options. Yeah. Um, I think Steve really understands... Um, comedy and he's quite old school mm. um which is amazing i mean in a room he you know just waiting to do takes <laughs> he you know he's the work he's, he's that he's that guy you know he's yeah he's funny and he understands comedy structure and so mm. and it's commercial you know it's quite commercial sitcom so there is like bum bum gag bum bum yeah. gag you know feed feed gag and so you kind of have to um teach yourself to stay quite loyal to that um, and, it's th- and it's there for a reason Did you um, enjoy working within that structure? Yeah, I love it all I mean, I'm Yeah, I, I don't It's funny as having this conversation About different styles And yeah. um, different uh, mediums of, of entertainment Because actually I love it all I really do Like, I, mm. I Without sounding cheesy It's just why, why not absorb it all And learn the rules mm. for everything um, and you can definitely have preferences, but it's all equally as exciting and anything that's going to challenge you or throw you out of your comfort zone is is welcomed because, mm, definitely. I mean, who wants to who wants to feel <laughs> like you're just kind of painting by numbers? Um, life's too uh, short, isn't it? Absolutely, <laughs> I completely agree with that. 
but what I think the Tickers did really well is I think it does talk about class, but not in a way that is punching down or punching up. It just kind of gives a depiction of what people's lives are like, and I think some shows by working class, well, about working class characters, maybe that are not written by working class writers, don't quite yeah. get it right. Yeah. How important was that? Yeah, I, well, and it was definitely, I can, I can sense that it was really important to Steve as well, because I think he cleverly got together a cast of, of actors who all seem to be from a working class background. Yeah. And how he read that, I don't know, but um, it felt like everyone understood what this world was and what it demanded. Mm. Um, because you just give off, there is a different, you want it to be authentic, don't you? And it needs Absolutely. to be authentic. And actually, when you're from wherever you're from, you know, I'm from Splot and, you know, Steve's from the Valleys and that 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 community feel of, mm. of all surviving together. Um and what it takes to survive when you've got very little um, was really important to him, I think. And, and, the, and, and, and it feel, they felt that way watching it as well. And the, and commu- it. the community aspect of that is done really well, I think, in the Yeah. And, and, and the community within the, like, the yes. cast as well. Like It felt... One thing I missed about um, not going back was, was that... Um, there was a real, they created a real kind of like mm. family. And I knew Alex, obviously, so yeah. done, me and Alex Riley had done like two shows together before that. Um, so we had a kind of mm. shorthand, which was nice yeah. um, going into it. And I just, and even the people I didn't know, like Ben and Josh, um, they just felt, it all just felt really mm. relaxed. And and I think that's, that's also a link to like the working class is that, you know, you go into a court. You go into a corner shop on Slot Road, and you're going to chat to the lady. You know, so yeah. like like you've known her your whole life, um, and 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 that comes from a kind of working mm. class community um, because they have to look out for each other. They have Definitely. to. They have no choice really, if if they're going to survive. I'm going to move on um, slightly. Um, so, a couple of weeks ago, um, I went to see you right where we left us, uh, produced by Chippy Lane, written by Rebecca Jane Hammond, a chapter. So the play looks... Yeah, can you just talk a bit about the play rather than me butchering the opposite of it? <laughs> what, what, what it was about, you mean? Yeah. Oh, God, that's... <laughs> yeah. a test. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> So, Why Where We Left Us was, um, it's a play about uh, two people who uh, were found each other on Coney Island, were both from Barry, so have met each other um, in New York, striving to be uh, famous writers, and suddenly, for, like, kind of... Um, feel a connection with each other and so start forming a partnership um, mm. and trying try to make it in a really competitive industry um, and then COVID hits so they start making leeway 
um, they yeah. actually get a commission, they get a play on together, um, and it's all like everything's suddenly falling into place. Their dreams are coming true. They kiss one night because one's in love with the other one. Yeah. Um, and COVID hits, everything stops. They go back, lockdown, never see each other again. And then one of them goes to uh, therapy, mm. which is where you kind of meet the character on stage. Um, everything I've just said then is like kind of backstory, yeah. but you, you learn about it. Um, and then one of them goes to, to therapy and has to deal with all the unsaid things mm. and all the, the closure of that relationship because um, they never spoke again. But through this therapy mm, yeah. and fantasy, you get to imagine what life would have been mm. like um, had they had those conversations about how they felt about each other or how they didn't feel about yeah. each other. Um, so, yeah, in a so, nutshell. <laughs> so there were, there were two casts. One, yes. so as a process, what was that like working um, with the other actors? Was, I've never done I've never done anything like this before, um, so it was like yeah, I, I was excited by it, um, and intrigued by how it was going to work. And actually, the way it did work was there was Hannah Daniel and Jacob Ivan. Ivan, yeah. Uh, in one, in one, uh, the same script, but very mm. different. The straight version of the script. Yeah. Um, and then me and Ricky Yale doing kind of the gay perspective um, of the script. And we didn't, from very early on, we didn't want to watch each other because we didn't want to be influenced by the other's uh, decisions. And and Chelsea um, directed it so that uh, we could move around. You know, it could be blocked completely differently. Right. Um, so that so we didn't watch them, and so what would happen was we would like do the morning session, and then we'd go into you know in chapter there's that little back room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So me and Rick would do like the morning sessions, and we'd go into the back room and learn lines, and then Hannah and Yakov would come in and um, do their session. And so essentially, even though it was four weeks, uh, we both had two weeks, two weeks. When you split the days in half. But what obviously would happen with me and Rick, because we're little swines, would, um, <laughs> would be that we, <laughs> we would go into the back room and just muck about. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> Chelsea's <laughs> not here. We're not going to do any work, are we? Well, exactly. I mean, you know, <laughs> an unmanned room with me and Rick, is, is, that's not a good room. <laughs> and, and... and uh, yeah, I, I will be honest, though, it was... It was tricky. I found so the way that Rebecca wrote it so beautifully and poetic. Mm. Um, it was made up of like monologues uh, and then memories of of them being together, mm. and then also the therapy session. And there was a like there was a shitload of words. I've never had to learn that many words before, which is fine. You know, I'm an actor, yeah. but I really I I do suffer with nerves. Right. Like quite, quite badly, um, and I did. Yeah, they, they they definitely took hold on that job. Um, yeah, trying to open that show and be in control of my anxiety was was yeah. quite hard. Apparently, I covered it well, but I mean, if 
people knew what's going on inside mm. <laughs> I was yeah it was I, I got I got wrapped with kind of self-doubt on right. the job but no that's no reflection of of, of the work because I think it's a beautiful script it's wonderfully written and it was directed amazingly did, did, did that get easier as the run went on or was it no that was the weird thing it, it didn't I think I just for some reason I let the demons in on that job and you know you hear people talking about stage fright and I haven't really had stage fright for a while I did early on in my career. I did a little bit. I was right. I was, I was doing a children's show, and I was um, I was oh yeah, bad girls. That I was t- talking about mm. earlier on, and I was convinced that I was going to um, swear in front of right. the kids, and I just kept this weird intrusive thought of of just saying the worst mm. swear word or offensive thing. I kept thinking it was going to come out of my mouth to the point where I, I got myself in a real state. Mm. But that was like 18 years ago. Yeah. And so this was kind of like the first time, really, that, that yeah, the, the enormity of that, mm. that kind of came back. I just, I knew it. I knew what I was doing. I knew the lines. I knew, but I just had this, like, I, I, do you know what it was? It was the responsibility. Right. I, I spoke to Rebecca about this. It was this sense of um, it being new writing, and wanting it, wanting it to succeed, yeah. um, and not wanting to, you know, let Chelsea down, let the other actors down. Um, I just got a real, you know, a real, um, yeah, just like that. That sudden weight was really. I felt it for the first time. What was there? And I know you've done really in Edinburgh, but was there any pressure being being back on stage after? two years away did that come into I mean, it interestingly people said to me like oh yeah but you you did get yourself in a state with Millie Lou as well but I don't know there was this weird safety thing with Millie Lou where it was it was improvised well it was semi-improvised right. so like if worse came to the worst she could just <laughs> <laughs> I mean I wouldn't say what she would say to the audience but you know she could do anything she could you know take another dump on stage if she wanted um <laughs> <laughs> or get out her teats, you know, and start milking herself. But with um, with this, it was so. It had to be so precise, yeah. and so it was so bang, 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 bang. You know, the dialogue was just toing and froing and to and I've never done anything like that. That it just it felt so much bigger than me. Right. Um. So yeah, that that you know that that pressure was there with Millie Lou, but in a very different way. I think mm. I was. The pressure with Millie Lou was more about um, me and my work and and what I was, you know, so, so that weight, that responsibility was all my own. So if I failed, I kind of went, oh, well, it's all on me. Anyway. You weren't letting anyone else down if you failed. <laughs> exactly. And I think I just, I suddenly, and I shouldn't have, I should have, I, I, you know, looking back now, I wanted to have enjoyed it more. So hopefully, fingers crossed, yeah. it, it has another life and I can have another stab at, at, at doing it but feeling more um, free and yeah. playful I think I wasn't allowing myself to play mm. because I was putting all these restrictions on me yeah well hopefully we will see it again hopefully it will have more life because I think it's really good piece 
you also don't. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, okay. You also don't hear a lot of actors talking about uh, fear and stage fright and nerves. I think there's this weird, there's this weird stigma around it, where it's like you're not a proper actor if you don't know how to deal with going on stage. Like, oh, that's your job. Just get on with it. <laughs> and so I feel like people don't talk about it enough. Actually, I think if we if we normalised it and we and we did share, other actors did, you know, happily say, yeah, of course I get I get mm. terrible nerves, and this is what I do, um, and we could maybe sh- you could you could have a discussion about people's different methods and and help each other. But like mental health in general, not just within the industry, people yeah. don't talk about it. People aren't open. If they're struggling, I mean, with our industry, you know, people just get used to rejection and being turned down, and this idea that people aren't good enough is yeah. perpetuated within the industry. And I think we're really bad at dealing with that as an industry, yeah. and I think there are people who are leaving or have left after COVID because of mental health stuff. And yeah. I don't think. Organisations are doing enough to protect, protect people. I don't know if you agree with that. I, I, I agree completely, and I think that, and I think in our profession as well, what's linked with um, the lack of talking about uh, mental health is that I think weirdly it's got this parallel with um, moaning. Mm. And you know that actors are natural moaners, and so it's not taken seriously. But actually, you know. Struggling with your mental health isn't moaning. No, you know, it's not. It's not. It's not being a negative Nancy. You're just. You're actually struggling, and you need help. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. I, you know, one thing. I mean, there's several things, hundreds of things. I'll give to Chippy Lane. Um, is they were they were really on it with that's mental good. health support. Um, and you, I couldn't have felt safer in that room. And Rebecca and Chelsea and and Tom. Um, put in place so many uh, kind of um, so much support yeah. um, that was made really apparent from day one that we had access to um, and I think as a, as a small company doing something so mm. big like that you know it, 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 it gives the leeway to other companies because they had it spot on that's brilliant to hear but as, as you say there's if a small company like Chippy Lane can do that there's more that other companies can be doing to protect creative mental health. I really yeah. think there is. Yeah, including Difficult Stage. I don't think we've we've mm. done enough in the past. Um, and, it, and it's been a huge lesson for me and, and, and bringing that and bringing it as, as top of the agenda. Yeah. You know, it because that's, be. what we, like, you know, that's what we do, isn't it? It's yeah. Like we're dealing with plays are about people. They're about life. They're about all the emotions and they're about people's mental health yeah across the spectrum so like if that isn't the top of your priority then surely something's wrong absolutely i understand you agree with that uh, the last thing i'm gonna ask you fam is what advice are you given loads of advice far, but it, it what advice would you give to someone who's starting out in the industry do really is 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 imagine myself uh, you know when I was starting out and what I would be saying to myself um, and I 
think I think I tell myself to have more um, belief in my abilities mm. um, and my individualism. Um, I felt like I needed to change. I needed to be something else in order to right. succeed. Um, I probably still do to a certain um, to a certain point, but actually, like having having faith in who who you are is 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 a great place to start. Mm. Um, and using you, um, and not apologizing. No. And, 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 and like and being um, embracing of all your quirks and your weird and wonderful imagination everything that makes you you yeah. is is what you need to bring to it and not think that oh no that's that's weird about me or no no people aren't gonna mm. like that or people are judging what is part of you is gonna is 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 gonna kind of stop you yeah Whereas if you just go, no, this is me and all the different colours and darknesses mm. and lightnesses and, and I'm not going to apologise for that. I think our whole industry is, is kind of built on a product, this weird, unrealistic product. As um, if there is a perfect actor. There is this vision of an actor. This yeah. is what an actor is. And I think drama schools do that a bit as well. Uh, producing... People who are far too similar, or I don't know whether that is their training. I'm not an actor, so ignore this if I'm wrong. No, but it's like, almost like it's, yeah, like there's like there's an ingredient. Yeah. That you you can just you can just like buy or have, and then you just need to like you know swallow that ingredient, and then you're suddenly this you know all rounded actor. Yeah. But like, you imagine if we were all that actor, <laughs> our industry would be so boring. Absolutely. We need we need all the colours and we need all the emotions and like your I would say to myself my younger self that your experience is valid mm. and we could and and bring your experience I'm not saying you have to like exploit that experience no. but that you that it's it's welcome and we want it because I think so much of doing the best you can do is about and learning what we actually learned mm. when we were, when we were like mm. in that really um, structured schooling years yeah. of all the do's and don'ts of how to be like you know this person in society. Like actually, we just need to unlearn all that and be a kid again. Yeah, and, uh, I think that's <laughs> important. When we didn't care what people thought. No. And, um, <laughs> we didn't have that self-awareness of like, oh, they're looking at me weird, or you know. Or am I what... doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Is this what this person expects of me? You know, that's so true, and yeah, yeah, it's so important. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It's been fab. No, it's been amazing. Thank you. I felt, I felt very relaxed. Yeah, so I'm so glad. Um, but that's. Just about it for this episode of the Immortal Web. Um, massive thanks to my guest, Francois Pandolfo. Um, on the next episode, I will be talking to the actor and director, Tonya Smith. So um, please stay tuned for that. But for now, it's bye for me and bye from Fran. Bye! Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced, and curated by me, 
Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.